0: Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at antiochatx.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. How many of you have been with us since the beginning? Wow, so fun. I mean, when I look back at where we've come, it can be a little overwhelming. I mean, God is moving. Amen. And we've had some incredible mountaintop moments. I was talking to a family uh, actually this week that a year ago, they literally thought their marriage was over. like They were at the end. And the husband had actually had went off and was out of the house for a couple of days. And we were able to sit down together and God met us in that moment a year ago. And God began a restoration process in that relationship. That now they would say their marriage has never been stronger. They're loving each other more than they've ever have in their 10 years they've been married. But maybe the coolest thing is, is how it's affected their kids. Because just this past week, their kids were actually involved in seeing one of their friends make a decision to follow Jesus. They got to be a part of it as a family. And that's just like a microcosm, that's one instance of the amazing things that God's been doing here at Antioch over the past two years. And at the same time as we've been in the middle of just this incredible mountaintop season, we've also had some valleys. There's been some challenges. Uh, This year for some of us could be marked as maybe one of the hardest years of our lives. I know for me personally, I'm ready to leave some of the stuff from this past year Behind. Anybody else? Anybody else ready to move forward and leave some stuff behind? Because although we have been experiencing amazing breakthrough, we're also still in the middle of a fight. And and that is the beautiful tension of church, if I'm just going to be real with you. Church is this amazing moment where we come together and we celebrate Jesus together in moments Where you might be sitting next to somebody going through the toughest time of their life. And you might be going through the best time of your life. But when we come together, Jesus can do more than we can ask, hope, or imagine. And and that's the power of community. And, And really what this whole day is about, we call our birthday vision Sunday. Because we believe that there is nothing more powerful, nothing more needed than the local church alive to a singular vision to see Jesus known and to know Jesus personally. I really believe it, that it's that simple. All of the complexity of our culture really comes down to, if we just know Jesus, and we singularly make him known, then the impossible situations that we feel like we're facing as a society all of a sudden become possible. And and I want to stir us up this morning And really kind of preach a message to us that will be filled with some practical, some things that we can take and really allow them to affect our Monday. But the thing that I really feel like God has put on my heart for us today is for us to expand our ability to see where we're going. Because I think that we're entering into a season as a city where God is going to do more than we could even dream. And it's going to take the church moving into areas of the city, moving into areas in our own lives that maybe we have felt like are impossible. Maybe we have felt that they are too big, that the complexity is is too large. And I just believe that we're in a season right now where God is giving us an invitation to move forward. And I want you to take that beautiful Antioch pen that you got when you walked in. We spared no expense on these pens. Please be careful. They give you about, a top of, uh, about five clicks, and then they break. So if you hit it and it breaks, then you were number five, okay? So, um, but use that pen. And what I want you to do is I want you to write on top of your notes, because I know you're all super godly, you know, because people that take notes, you know, God hears your prayers more than people that don't take notes. That's a joke. But I want you to write on top of your notes, it's time to move. It's time to move. And if you have a Bible with you this morning, I want you to make your way to Joshua 1. Joshua 1. We're going to read the first six verses of this chapter. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to hook you up. You can just go to the Get Connected corner. And ask for one, and we've got you. But if you don't want to own a Bible, you can just download an app. Or you can just look at the screens. Are you ready? Say amen. Amen. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give you. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the deserts of Lebanon and from the great river and the Euphrates. All the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people To inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Now, come on, church. I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to tell them, declare to them, get ready. There we go. Sounds better. Hey, I want to start with a question how, how many of you like to try new things? people like to try new things? Okay. So those of you who didn't raise your hand, you don't like to try new things, right? right? And there's a reason why you don't like to try new things, right? I mean, new things are scary. They're uncertain. There's things that can go catastrophically wrong. Be honest with you, I like to try new things, and I like to try them at 110 miles an hour. Anybody else with me there? I, I love to charge into things I have no business doing. I love to attack situations that are over my head. And I believe as I'm charging forward that I can do it. I literally believe that I can do it. And, and this really displayed itself 1991 right in the middle of the rollerblade craze. How many of you were alive and well when rollerblades were the bomb? Yeah. Dot com. Yeah. All right. Now, here's the deal. I wanted to be like the dudes. I wanted to be like Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to be cruising around my, the, the school hallways on my rollerblades looking cool and, and, but the thing is, because I like to try new things at 110 miles an hour, I didn't just want to rollerblade down the street with my mom. No. I wanted to, like, do tricks. I wanted to spin and flip and, like, do stuff, you know, so that when I'm going in the park as a little third grader, that I'm I'm looking like the ladies cannot resist me on my rollerblades. You feel what I'm saying? And so I get this idea did I need to know how to do a 360 on my rollerblades. Me and my brother were hanging out in the garage one summer morning because we were kicked out of our home by our mother. Hi, Mom. She's right here. Shout out to all the moms who kick your kids out of the house in the summer. Respect. So here's the deal. I had this idea sitting in the garage with my younger brother. Hey, dude, let's learn how to do 360s on our rollerblades. He's like, bet, bet, bet. So we go to the driveway, and we start trying to do this, right? Now, we can't we can't complete the rotation. We get like halfway and fall, right? We, we can't figure it out. This is pre-YouTube. There are no instructional videos. This is like back in the day when you learn things by trying them, all right? And so we're, we're like going for it, and we cannot complete the rotation. We can't figure it out. Now, being a little boy, your solution to everything is speed. If I can't do it slow, surely I can do it fast, right? I mean, that That is our problem. In our mind, we can't complete the rotation because we're going too slow. So we're like, well, how do we get going faster? I'm like, Jake, bro, that's why I'm here. Jake's my little brother. I'm like, dude, let me tell you, it's simple. Go get your bicycle. I'm going to tie a rope to the back of your bike. (laughs) Then I'm going to hold on to the rope. You're going to ride as hard as you can down the street. And when I start getting going fast enough Then I'm going to jump, I'm going to hurl my body into the air, and I'm going to complete a 360, and everyone's going to come out of their houses and applaud. So my brother's like, okay, cool. So we go get his bike, we tie the rope to it. We start trying to figure it out. I'm like, dude, I cannot deal with this rope in my hand. And he's like, dude, tie it around your waist. Then your hands are free, and you can, like, spin. And I'm like, Jake, you are brilliant, bro. Thank you. And so here we are, 1991. Cruising down our street, rope tied around my waist, rope tied to the back of his bike, and we are flying down our street, okay? Now, here's something that happens when you're going faster on a device than you should. It's called the speed wobbles. Has anybody encountered the speed wobbles? Where you're cruising forward, and then all of a sudden, the thing that you are riding begins to speak to you and says, you need to slow down, or things are going to be painful, right? So here I am, rollerblades. I start shaking. Speed wobbles, full effect. It's happening. Now, normal people would shout out to their younger brother, slow down. Not me, because I charge forward, man. I like to try new things, 100 miles an hour. I'm going I'm gonna. I'm going to do a 360. So I take the speed wobbles as a sign. It's time to jump. And so I, with everything that I have, jump as high as possible and with every ounce of torque that I can generate from my little third grade hips I begin to try to spin only to encounter a physics problem in real life the rope began to pull me forward and so when I went to go try to spin there was no spin it was more of a swan dive and so here I am flying in the air, heading right for the concrete, slam on the concrete. Now, let me reveal to you the heart of my brother. He did not stop. He did not slow down. He allowed my flesh to be his brakes. And I was just, I mean, dude, it looked like a horror movie on the street, just like, Trail of blood. I'm lying on the ground. I got no skin anywhere. <laughs> Horrible. And I begin to have this conversation with myself. Maybe I shouldn't do a 360 on my rollerblades. But let's be real. That's why we don't like to try new things. Because new things are filled with uncertainty and pain. And things that we just don't know. And so oftentimes we resist. Even people who like new things do not like the pain that sometimes comes with new things. And so we sometimes approach taking new ground, moving forward with a little bit of caution because we have tried to move before. And we have encountered Some level of sliding on the concrete when things did not go how we thought they were going to go. And these little lies begin to seep into our brain that maybe, just maybe, it might be better to stay where I am versus go to a new thing. I want you to understand that when we read Joshua 1 The people of Israel were in the chaos of feeling things changing. Moses had been their leader for years. Not just their leader. He was their communication point to God. You see, because the people of Israel developed a habit in the wilderness, they wanted to follow God at a distance. They said, hey, Moses, why don't you go talk to God on the mountain and then come back and tell him, tell us what he said. He he became their place of contact. He became their leader, their representative. And now he was gone. I mean, can you imagine the chaos that began to run through the camps of Israel While they were still in the wilderness, when word began to spread that Moses was dead. Moses was the man who led them out of Egypt. He was the one that told them they were going to have food, and then food began to fall from heaven. He was the one that said, don't stress out about water. Water's going to come out of this rock. He was the one that heard from God. Here's the Ten Commandments. Here's how I want you to live. Here's your standard of righteousness and holiness. He's the one that communicated to the people of Israel that they will walk into the promised land, that they are getting ready to fulfill the destiny that God had in store for them all the way since the days of Abraham. He was the guy that communicated all of that, held them together, and all of a sudden he's gone. The chaos, the uncertainty, the what now, How are we? What are we supposed to do? Questions that come in those moments of transition were in full effect in the people of Israel. And I want you to understand something that if you want to move forward in your life, you have to understand your motivation. If you want to move forward, In your life, you have to understand your motivation. Motivation means the reason why you do something. So you could say you have to know your why if you want to move forward. Motivation will be fueled always by your why. You lose your why, you lose the move in your motivation. It's very normal for all of us. How many of you have ever started trying to work out? You lose your why, and then all of a sudden the motivation kind of loses its move in that gym membership you signed up for for a year, you use for a month because you lost your why, right? If you want to move forward, you have to know your why. And when God spoke to Joshua, Joshua's why was clear. Because there's a sentence that we could sometimes just why past, but it's a sentence that's a window into the clarity of his why that really gave him the strength to be the one who said, we will move from a place of wilderness into a place of promise. And this is that sentence that we oftentimes just read past Joshua 1.1, and God said to Joshua, and God said to to Joshua. You see Joshua didn't just know of God. He knew God. He he knew him so well that when he spoke he heard his voice. You see, this was unique because when the people of Israel spoke to, when the people of Israel told Moses to go to the mountain and they said, we're going to stay back here. You go talk to God. Guess who was the only person who went with Moses? Joshua. Joshua did not have a follow, follow at a distance relationship with God. Joshua was a God chaser. Joshua was one who pursued the living God with everything that he had. He had an internal fire that was not relegated to his circumstances, but from his relationship with God. If you don't want to lose the move in your motivation, you have to understand that your why being to know Jesus will never run dry. I think sometimes we want transformation in our life. We want to see things change in us. We want to see things move and shift around us. We want to see God take ground in our city. We want to see our church grow. We want to see our life groups expand. Whatever it is that you feel like God's stirring in your heart, for this next season, and we sometimes say like, man, I got to stay motivated to do that, and we look for our motivation by what's around us, but God is telling us through this sentence of the Lord said to Joshua, your motivation is going to be God in you. The, the storm is calm. The chaos is silenced when you are in a position in your relationship with God, when you don't just know him, know of him, you know him, so that when he speaks, you hear him. So when Joshua heard, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you every place that your foot treads. He knew God. He had seen the way that Moses interacted with God. And so when God spoke to him and said, I'm going to be with you like I was with Moses. Then he's like, "Then, then I'm going to look at him. He's going to be with me. You see, Joshua's relationship was not based on what he was told. It was based on what he knew. Come on, church. I believe it's time for all of us collectively to say we're going to burn for Jesus alone so that we can be an unstoppable force together. Can I say that again? We are going to burn for Jesus alone so that we can be an unstoppable force together. We're called to have a personal relationship with God. And we want you to have just an explosive devotional life. And I know sometimes that can feel like so big. Like how does that happen? Like what does that even mean? It's really simple. We want you to daily have a moment with Jesus that strengthens you, stabilizes you, encourages you, And speaks to you. Every single morning, Where our heart is that this year will be a year where the devotional lives of the people in our church explode. That the internal passion for Jesus begins to stir. So that when we come together collectively, we're burning together. We're we're not coming saying in that same mentality that the people of Israel had. Of like, man, I'm going to go to the people who have been on the mountain and just be around them and hear what God's speaking to them. It's like, no, I want you to go to the mountain yourself. I want you to meet with Jesus yourself because that's what he made a way for at the cross. It's for you to have a personal relationship with him. Listen to me, church. There's nothing more powerful than a church alive to the fact that Jesus wants to meet with them. There's nothing more powerful than that. When we begin to believe that our personal devotional life does not matter, we lose our move in our motivation. The things that you want to see shift in your life become secondary because our motivation begins to wane because we lost our why. A personal fire for Jesus Is the why that won't run dry. It is the place that will never let us down. It is what stabilizes us in storms. It is what holds us in chaotic moments. It is what is the calming voice in the middle of things you think are going to kill you. If you don't know how to hear him in peacetime, don't think you're going to figure it out in wartime. If, If you can't hear God speak Joshua heard God speak in peace because war was coming. If you're not positioning yourself daily and giving yourself your heart an opportunity to breathe, to read the Bible every day, just read something. And look, we have a million resources for you. Seriously, if you need help, Ask any of our leaders, any life group leader, anybody at the Get Connected corner. You're like, I don't know where to start. We want to help you get started. There's apps. There's books. There's tools. There's resources. But hear me, church, this is our opportunity to be a people that hear God say, to hear him speak, to have that internal encounter that begins to move us into the transformation that he's called us to walk in. The Lord said to Joshua, Joshua's motivation was clear. And then God said, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites, when God spoke this in verse two, it was harvest time. Harvest time means that it rained a lot, and that's why the crops are popping. How many know what happens to a river when it rains a lot? It rises and it gets rapidy. Thank you. When God spoke to Joshua, cross the Jordan River. This was not the season that you cross the Jordan River. This was not when you you don't do it in harvest time. You don't do it when it's raging. They looked at the Jordan River and said, man, this is absolute suicide. If we try to cross this river right now, we will die. No one can survive this. No one can make it through this. But God spoke to Joshua, and he said something mind-blowing. Because we're getting ready to have baptisms here this morning, and it's going to be like the coolest thing we've ever done. And I I, I love it. And I love baptism so much for so many different reasons. But one of them is is simply because it's an outward expression of what Jesus has done for us in our hearts. We're, We're buried with Christ in baptism. And we're raised to walk in newness of life. There's nothing that happens... In this water, except a picture of what God is doing. You understand what I'm saying? When God told Joshua to cross the Jordan River, it wasn't just practical. There wasn't just a boundary between the wilderness and the promised land. It was a picture. Because God spoke and said, Joshua, have the priest go before you. And have them step in the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant. This is important because in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Co- Covenant represented the presence of God. It was where God dwelled. The priests carrying it were significant because Jesus is our high priest. Are you with me? God said, Joshua, have the priest step in into the water and then the people follow them and they will pass through, they will cross over on dry ground. This is a picture of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus said, I am going to stand in what is going to kill you and I'm going to stop it. I'm going to block it. I'm going to make a way for you to cross over from death into life. Oh, y'all ain't going to listen to me. He said, I'm going to make a way for you to cross over from death into life because I am in the water stopping what's going to kill you. When God spoke to Joshua, it's time to cross over into the promised land. He was telling him very clearly this is a demonstration of what is going to come. That we are going to have a Savior that is going to come and He is going to walk the earth and He is going to be a God of the crossover. And Jesus himself in Luke 4 read Isaiah 61 and virtually said, This is who I am, and this is why I've come. And it is a declaration of the God of the crossover. He says, The Spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom. For the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit. Are you hearing what he's saying? He's saying it's time to move from mourning to dancing. That Jesus is like, hey, I am the God who is going to step in what is going to kill you and I'm going to stop it. I'm going to take the pressure of it and you are going to pass over, you are going to pass through from death into life, from hopelessness into hope. He is the God of the crossover. He, he says it very clearly. The garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And I love this part. He says, and they will be called the oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Isn't it beautiful that God would say, demonstrating his hope to us, that is the freedom that he's given to us that will display his splendor on the earth. That the hope that you will carry is a reflection of the splendor of heaven. That when you make a decision to step into what you think is going to kill you, to enter into the promises that God has for you, and you realize that Jesus has gone before you, and he's made a way for you to experience freedom where you had once been in bondage. That he has made a way for you to literally let go of the things that have control of you and say, it's time to move, It's time to move. Church, I'm here to tell you that this year we're going to move as a church. It's time for us to move into the land that God has promised us. When God told Joshua it's time to move into the promised land, he recites out all of these different people groups that were inhabiting the land that he had for them. He says, look, yeah, you're going to have the land in the Hittite country, in and the, and the, the Canaanite country, all the way to the Mediterranean Sea, all the way from the river. You got to understand the people of Israel had been in wilderness. They had been walking around, not fighting, walking around for 40 years. They had no business waging war. They didn't have an army. They weren't ready. They were not doing military drills while they were wandering around. No, they were professional complainers. That's all they did. And God said, it is time for you to step into areas of the land you have no business being in because I'm going to give you every place your foot treads. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. It's time for us to begin to live our lives understanding that no longer do I just walk into the offices of Facebook because I work there. I am stepping into that office saying, This is now the Lord's. I'm crossing over. I'm not just going to my office anymore. I'm not just walking through UT's campus. I'm now saying it's time to move. I'm not a guest here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's time for us to begin to live as a church, as a moving people, that we understand that God is with us to give us every place our foot treads. Stop living like you're a guest and begin to inhabit what God's freely given to you. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. The city is waiting for a church to stand up and make Jesus known because they're burning for him. Our city is waiting for a church to step up and say, Jesus and Jesus alone. He's here. You can cross over from death to life. You can cross over from hopelessness into hope. You can move from despair to freedom. It's time to move. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's time to move. It's time to move, church. It's time to take ground. It's time to believe bigger than we've ever believed before. It's time for us to see God do more than we could ask hope or imagine. It's time. It's time to move. Are you ready to move? I'm I'm asking you, are you ready to move? Are you ready to cross over? Are you ready to step into more? Are you ready to take the promised land? If you're ready to move, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to give God the biggest praise that you've ever given him in the history of your life. Because we serve a God that moves us from death to life.